<laughs> All right, so you know we are calling this an elder meeting, and um, it kind of signifies a little bit of a transition, as I shared with you guys last time as we met as the board and um, kind of switching a little bit the way that we operate where for many years we've had kind of the board meetings and the board was you know very defined and um, you know we had regular meetings and stuff and and that, that was good for its time that was good for its season um, but as you know this new season that I'm in for me personally of, uh, you know, full-time work and more responsibility at work. And then the responsibilities at home with, uh, helping to watch Isabel and, uh, with Kim's health, it's just, you know, put a strain on a lot of things. And so a lot of our meetings have just kind of fallen by the wayside because it's just like my main focus every week is just to make sure that I am faithful with Sunday morning service and Wednesday evening service. And anything beyond that is like, a real challenge um for me like that i feel like i'm at capacity you know with just those two things and that's that's all i can handle and so you know our regular leadership meetings are you know 10 years ago we would have a completely different way that we operated as a church but uh these days things have changed and so i i i just sense that we are kind of heading into a new season and so the board is in some degrees kind of the elders, but but it also kind of carries some legal connotations or some legal requirements. And I just I, I kept getting stuck on, you know, the specifics. <laughs> and so in a lot of ways, it's not a big change at all. It's just kind of a little bit of a paperwork change where we still have a board. That's part of our requirement as a 501c3. And so you know many of you guys are on the board still right so we still have that but like it's um technically kind of difficult to meet as a board if not enough members are present and it's not a quorum and you know you get i just kept getting stuck in all those things and frustrated by you know everybody's schedules and it's so hard and busy so um so switching to just a little bit more informal, a gathering of elders, allows us to have um, the opportunity to meet without any legal hurdles. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like that over the past couple of years, um, some of the things that are kind of core to who we are as a church and our ministry um, we've gotten away from a little bit and COVID kind of threw things off. And as we're coming back, I just, I see this as a, a chance to, um, kind of rebuild and refocus and kind of reset and reframe some of our, our thinking and our perspectives and the way that we, uh, approach things. And so what's on my heart this evening is to go back to the beginning a little bit and talk about our leadership model and just kind of refresh us and it it should be a refresher for everybody but maybe it's new and i haven't shared these things for a while now so you know maybe it's brand new to some people um but i i think it's important to make sure that we 
have kind of set and established in our minds and our hearts the way that we approach leadership the leadership model the leadership structure for us as a church because there is a variety of leadership models now when i say model i'm not talking about being good looking like rick right (laughs) i'm not talking about a specific individual that is the model for us to follow when i say model i'm talking about a structure uh, a kind of a formula for structuring how you know the different components of a gathering of people is to work together and relate to one another and so it's a leadership structure that that i want to kind of just refresh us in as far as uh what we follow and also to say there are other leadership structures and if the lord would prompt us to change our style of leadership then you know that is something the lord would be free to do and of course he can do that um but until the lord changes it then we we also need to be diligent in maintaining and holding on to and following the structure that he has provided and so you know being a calvary chapel church we look to uh the example that was set before us and the teaching that was set before us by pastor chuck and so in his book the philosophy of ministry he lays out what's often referred to as the moses model and so that's kind of what i want to talk to you guys about this evening and just refresh our memories refresh our hearts and kind of rekindle our understanding of it so that we can uh, walk in it as we enter into this new kind of season of rebuilding and seeing what god has before us in the the days ahead and so the structure of the moses model comes from a variety of places but exodus chapter 18 is uh one of them so i just want to read to you uh a few verses here from exodus chapter 18 and uh it's moses's father-in-law who kind of steps in and makes some suggestions here exodus chapter 18 verse 13 and so it was on the next day that moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before moses from morning until evening so when moses's father-in-law saw all that he did for the people he said what is this thing that you are doing for the people Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people came to uh, come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statues of God and his laws. So Moses's father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and 
Place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall, ju- shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. And then verse 23 says, If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So here Jethro is visiting his son-in-law Moses, and he sees how Moses is doing ministry, and he says, whoa, this is a big burden that you're carrying, and uh, I have some suggestions for you. And so he lays out these suggestions, um, and it involves implementing some structure and saying, okay, like, you, you still need to be responsible to connect with God and hear from God and receive, you know, what needs to be passed along to the people. But you can't handle every other, de- every little detail. You can't be involved in every dispute and every judgment. And so there's these, levels of judgment that should be set in place with different people tens hundreds thousands right so that it kind of you know is spread out well amongst the these new leaders that will be established and then you know it's only kind of like the most challenging things the most difficult things that will have to like work their way up the ranks up until finally it you know stands before Moses but Moses like you can't handle all of this by yourself and so Jethro said that's my advice here's some practical things to do uh, in order to handle this burden that you have and what I really appreciate about Jethro there is in verse 23 he says if you do this but he also puts the little caveat and God so commands you. So as Jethro is sharing this, he's not saying you have to do this. This is the only way. He's saying, don't just take my word for it. He's saying, I'm just giving you my advice, (laughs) Moses. Double check that with the Lord. Um, Make sure that's what he wants. And if, you know, the Lord is lining up my advice and what he wants for you, and I just am now the instrument for giving that advice and kind of sharing that that insight then it'll it'll be well for you and for the people uh, for this structure to be in place and so from that and the way that moses operated um developed this idea of the moses model so i'm gonna hand out these things you can just take one pass it around pass it around pass it around pass it around um, and for those of you guys who are listening to the recording, um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a copy of this as well. So this is a page from the Equipped to Lead book that we put together a while back in the, uh, the course, Equipped to Lead, that we did a few years ago. But uh, on it, you see in the, the page that says Part 1, the model kind of drawn out again the structure that is established there for Moses so God's at the top and that's what Jethro said you go talk to the Lord hear what the Lord has to say 
and then uh, then you come back and you deliver that to the people who need to hear it. And so Moses would relate that to the congregation, but now he would be implementing also some other people who have authority and really kind of delegating the authority that Moses has to these judges who would help handle those practical matters, those legal matters, those disputes and and things that needed to be dealt with in that uh, kind of practical arena. But then he also had the priests who uh, would be kind of along with Moses in ministering to the congregation on the spiritual side. And so you kind of had the practical side, you know, that Moses had of people helping him and the more spiritual side of the priests uh, ministering to the congregation. And so then translating that to uh, kind of a New Testament church, the diagram below uh, shows Jesus at the top. And so we know Paul makes it very clear uh, in Ephesians, Colossians, Jesus is the head of the church, right? So uh, no matter who thinks they're in charge at any given church, uh, the, the real head of the church is always Jesus. We, we can never get away from that. But following this model, then, there is a leader who kind of fills the role of Moses for the church, who is the person that's primarily responsible to be connected to Jesus and then to distribute to the congregation and to these uh, other leaders in the body uh, that also serve alongside to minister to the congregation. And so uh, those groups of leaders have been called different things, uh, different times, elders and deacons, uh, elders and assistant pastors, deacons and assistant pastors, you know, all kinds of things that they've been named over the years. Um, but, but the point isn't the specific naming as it is kind of the structure that, uh, that is there. And so I, I think it's important for us to refresh ourselves in this, to, to kind of remember what it is that we've entered into and what, what the Lord has called us to as a church. And so lots of things have changed uh, over the years and different seasons of living water have seen a variety of different people involved, a, lot, a variety of different types of services and studies and events and activities. Uh, but, but this structure of leadership has not changed. This is, this is still part of the philosophy of ministry that we adhere to and that we follow. And, and this needs to be not just kind of an uh, idea that we kind of understand and you know, acknowledge intellectually, but also it needs to be uh, you know, something that we live out and that we practice in the way that we operate as a ministry. Now, I'm not trying to do, you know, a full exhaustive proof of this model or support of this model or defense of this model or anything like that, okay? Um, Tonight, like, I wanted to refresh it and then highlight a couple things just to ask you guys to, you know, be thinking about and praying about a couple of key things that I think are important uh, in regards to this. So here's, I don't have these clearly articulated, but here's kind of point number one about our leadership model is it's not a dictatorship at our level. Like no leader in the church 
really is a dictator in the sense that they have the final say. And so I don't have the final say in the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we, we always have to go back to that. We always have to go back to it's the Lord who is in charge. And he, he gets the final say. No matter what any of us think or what any of us want, like we always have to come back to submission to the headship of Jesus. And so we need to understand it's not a dictatorship. And maybe that sounds like, okay, yeah, of course, like who would think that, right? But listen, I interact with and I hear about and hear from lots of pastors and you know the idea of the Moses model I suggest is misunderstood by a fairly good amount of Calvary Chapel pastors and the way that they interpret and implement the Moses model is almost opposite of what Jethro advised and it's that they have to be involved in every decision and they have to be involved and you know sign every check and, you know, nothing happens without their say-so, and it's all, you know, they have to kind of be the one who makes any decision, every decision, you know. And and it can turn into kind of a dictatorship, and it can turn into, you know, a, a, something that, number one, I would say, Pastor Chuck, that's not what he taught. <laughs> that's not what he meant when he said Moses model. Uh, that's not the model that we're given here in Moses's ministry in the book of Exodus. It's not the way that Jesus, you know, operated amongst his disciples. You know, he perpetually said that he was submitted to the father's will, that he, you know, his job was to do what the father wanted. He didn't come to do his own will, right? Like it, it's not the way that we see throughout the scriptures. And so although we perhaps even in your mind right now you like you know of people who operate that way and churches that operate that way like that's not that's not the moses model that's not the philosophy of ministry that we adhere to as a calvary chapel so it's it's not a dictatorship at our level at the lord's level it is a dictatorship and he gets to say and whatever he wants and whatever he says he gets the final say and whatever he says goes and he should have a role to play you know what i mean like he gets to say something about everything that happens like he has you know that kind of authority um in the church and so our leadership model number one it's not a dictatorship at our level number two our leadership model uh includes a primary leader that is responsible to oversee the congregation it's a primary leader that is responsible to be seeking the lord and serving the people in first peter chapter 5 um, peter talks about the shepherds he talks to the shepherds the pastors and he says that they are to take heed of the flock that is entrusted to them and so we understand that in this leadership structure that God has established, that there there is a trust that is given. Where God, in his body, he arranges people and he says, this collection of sheep, this flock, is now entrusted to your hand. And that means, shepherd, you 
are responsible to care for them and you're responsible to hear from the Lord on their behalf and you're responsible and you will give account for how faithful you were with those sheep that were entrusted to you. And so that is the way that this is laid out. That's, that is the, the way that God has orchestrated this uh, kind of leadership in the body of Christ. And so it's not a dictatorship. And yet at the same time, there is a primary leader that God sets up that he entrusts the ministry or the people to that individual. So Moses, later on Joshua, you know, and we can follow the, the examples through the scriptures. So, number one, it's not a dictator, dictatorship. Number two, there is a primary leader. Number three, it's not a democracy. And and that's an important one for us to um, kind of wrestle with a little bit. Because, of course, we value our democracy in America, even though here in California, you know... <laughs> doesn't seem like we get much say but um it's not a democracy it's not uh, a structure where okay we'll get the elders together we all take a vote and majority wins like that is not the leadership structure and model that god gives us in the scriptures i think a good example of that and one important for us to meditate on is acts chapter 15 so there we have the council at Jerusalem. Like if there was ever going to be a congregational vote or a vote of apostles or a vote of elders and leaders, like that was the occasion when Paul brings the question to the church at Jerusalem, do Gentiles have to become Jews to be saved? And they all gather together. The congregations gathered together. The leaders are gathered together. The apostles are gathered together. They're all there. And the way that it plays out is not a democracy. James at the end is understood to be the primary leader who makes the decision. He comes to the conclusion at the end of that. After there is all of the input that the witnesses like Paul and Barnabas and leaders and you know people of the congregation like there is a kind of a hearing that takes place where a lot of advice is given a lot of opinions are shared a lot of ideas are thrown out there and then peter stands up or james stands up at the end and he says okay here's my judgment here's what i decide and he makes a decision for the congregation and, and that is different than a democracy. At the same time, it's not a dictatorship. <laughs> so, I, you know, there's a balance for us to walk here as we understand. There's, there's a little bit of, you know, push and pull and tension, you know, between these ideas. But, but it's why it's important for us to kind of walk through these things and refresh ourselves in these things that, you know, sometimes it, it is tempting to kind of default to democracy mode and kind of feel like, well, the most of the people want this, you know, and it seems like most everybody's in agreement with this. So, you know, this seems like the right path, right? And and there is a danger in that because it's not the model that we're given. At the same time, it's not that the leader 
just does whatever he wants and has no input and nobody gets to say anything, right? Like, there is this process where every party that's interested and has something to say gets to share their piece, gets to be part of the conversation. But then at the end of the day, James has to make the decision. And so he comes to his conclusion having received, you know, all of the advice, counsel, opinions, and thoughts that the people had shared there in Acts chapter 15. So so it's not a democracy. And, and it's not a committee. And so one of the things, you know, that I kind of mentioned, I threw out there when at the beginning of the light the night planning was like we like let's not make this a committee like we're trying to plan this by like does everybody want this like that is not the way to run events it's not the way to run ministries it's not the way to run a church it's not it's not the way that god has called us to operate again unless the lord is saying you guys i want you to change your leadership structure i want you to adopt a new philosophy of ministry and if the Lord tells us that, well, then by all means, we should follow that. But aside from that kind of direction of the Lord, then, then we need to keep in mind the way that God has called us to operate. And that is, Jesus is the head. He appoints someone primarily responsible for the people that are entrusted to him. He charges that leader to hear from elders, uh, board members, deacons, congregation, hear from people and receive, you know, all of the the various sides and, and parts of the equation. And then that primary leader is responsible to make a decision, having sought the Lord, having heard the people, make a decision for the good of the congregation. So, number one, it's not a dictatorship. Number two, there's a primary leader that God establishes. Number three, it's not a democracy. Now, number four, this is going to be a weird one. Unanimity is not required. It's not required that the decision be unanimous. Okay. Now, I know this is a little bit weird for those of you guys on the board because for years... You know, we kind of operate on the principle of unanimity, that that we kind of wait to decide things until we're all in agreement. Okay, and and so this might be a little bit of a challenge in our minds to um, to understand this, but being unanimous can be a really good thing, and can be a really good solid indication of God's confirmation on something. But but we need to be careful that we don't make it a requirement that God hasn't made it. And so here's here's the way that I'll say it. In order for there to be unity, somebody's will is always going to have to die. Okay? Like just think about that for a second. In order for there to be unity, amongst a a group of people somebody's will has to die that the idea that we're all going to gather together and we're all going to agree without you know any problems or difficulties and there's not going to be any differences or differing opinions like 
that's a fanciful idea of less mature people than we need to be, <laughs> right? Like, we understand, like, read, you know, two different commentaries and see two different opinions and understand good, godly people who are based in the scriptures don't see eye to eye on every single thing. That just doesn't happen. And so we need to understand as we gather together, as there is this, you know, gathering of elders and leaders and deacons, or, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, that there is room for not everybody to be in agreement. In the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, at the end of the meeting, when James came to his conclusion, there were still people in that room that disagreed, the Judaizers, right? They, there were still people who held strong opinions that, no, this is not, we should require these Gentiles to be saved. In the group, as you read Acts chapter 15, there were people saying, as Paul is sharing the testimony of all the work that God was doing, right? People stood up and said, those people need to be circumcised, <laughs> right? At the end of the meeting, those people were not, oh, okay, yeah, I guess we don't need to be circumcised. They didn't, James' decision didn't change their mind. James' decision made the decision for the church. And then the leaders of the church endorsed that decision and walked forward in it with James. But, but James had to make the decision. It, it wasn't unanimous for the congregation. Maybe it was unanimous for the apostles. Like, we don't really know. We can't say that 100%, right? Like, all we can say is that we see the disagreement in there and we see the decision that is made. And so we need to understand that sometimes there will be, even amongst the core, the you know, the ones who have been around for a long time or whatever, like we're not always going to see eye to eye on every single thing. Now, for us as a board, we operated, you know, where as we were unanimous in something that was kind of a clear confirmation it was a it, it's a good safety net right at the same time you know that doesn't mean we just make decisions willy-nilly or that we don't care if we're not unanimous you know what i mean like i think whether we're if we're not unanimous in something then it's it's a good reminder and flag to check and make sure double check with the lord before we make this decision and the lord could help us make that decision by bringing us into full agreement in everything or the Lord could confirm and say yes I know Rick doesn't agree but this is still the decision that we need to make and we need to go forward so unanimity is not required this this is part of our leadership model this is part of our philosophy of ministry and it's important that we don't forget you know what we have been built on and what we're based on okay so it's not a dictatorship, number one. There is a primary leader, number two. It's not a democracy, number three. And number four, unanimity is not required. Now, number five, every leadership model has weaknesses. There's essentially three main types of leadership models that churches follow. There is the model that we follow, the pastor-led congregation, uh, the Moses style, Jesus style, however you want to pronounce it. 
Then there is congregational rule, where it's just a democracy. Congregation votes on everything, and it's, you know, that's how the, the decisions are made as the congregation meets and has congregational meetings and voting. And then thirdly, there's elder-run churches. So it's not the whole congregation that makes a decision, but it is a group of leaders that makes the decision. And the difference between the pastor-led and an elder-type um, structure is that in a kind of strictly speaking elders uh, ministry structure, leadership structure, there is no primary leader in theory. <laughs> in practicality, you know, there probably always is. But but in, in the theory of it, in the kind of the philosophy of it, is everybody has the same weight. And so we cast our votes as elders and you know, majority wins, or we wait till unanimity, or however, the, you know, the structure is, is set up. But but there's not that person that is kind of looked to as as this is the the one that God has called to lead primarily, and to make final decisions when we don't agree, and to you know, give us that kind of direction when we need it. So, each of those models are practiced by different churches all over the world. And they all have some uh, positive attributes, and they all have some weaknesses. The weaknesses kind of boil down to the same thing, though. If the people involved are godly and seeking the Lord, then I don't see a problem with any leadership model. You know, God can use them all. If we're out of sync with the Lord, well, any of these leadership models become problems. So in a pastor-led congregation, if the pastor is not seeking the Lord and is out of sync with the Lord, obviously that creates some problems. And so then, the it, like if you're looking at this model, the elders and the assistants or the judges and priests in the Moses version of the model... Like they serve as an accountability role to that leader, as well as uh, kind of a, a subservient role to that leader. There, there's a little bit of both that that they are to um, you know be part of the accountability. To if Moses goes sideways, you know the judges are not to just go along with it. You know the priests are not to just go along with it, uh, but they're to hold Moses to the course, to the things that the Lord has said. And so in a similar way, in a pastor-led church, there there needs to be that kind of accountability and there needs to be that kind of leader who is seeking the Lord. And, and then, you know, there's a submission to that leader, but there's also a an oversight of that leader to some degree, of, you know, kind of enforcing and holding to the standards that the Lord has provided in his word. But then also, so below the pastor in this structure, uh, you know, so elders and assistants or judges and priests, um, like they need to be seeking the Lord and they need, you know, so if they're not fulfilling their role in relationship to the pastor or the congregation, then there's problems, right? And so that can, we could walk through those same kind of things. I'm not going to try to do that, but for every leadership model, 
And although, you know, if people are a fan of one, they tend to kind of minimize the issues <laughs> of that model. But there's not a perfect model, but the one that we see demonstrated most clearly in the scriptures, and maybe only in the scriptures as you walk through them, is the model that we follow you know, in our philosophy of ministry. So the Moses model, uh, Pastor David Guzik has a, a really good teaching about this. And so after the meeting tonight, I'll shoot you guys a link to um, his teaching as he walks through the biblical support for this. And he doesn't do it from Exodus chapter 18. He does it all New Testament and kind of walks through and shows this pattern as kind of the standard, the norm for the New Testament church. And so, you know, we need to understand that this is, there's a reason why we subscribe to this leadership structure and this philosophy of ministry, because it's what we see demonstrated in the scriptures. And so it's important for us to understand and that there is these roles, there is this structure, there is uh, this way that God has called for his people to operate. Okay. Now I want to take that on to the next final thing. And that is this ministry model includes delegation. It includes delegation. And I would say it this way, our ministry model scales to the delegation of authority and the delegation of ministry. So, on the back side, part two of this paper kind of lays that out just in, it's the same basic thing, but it's in a little bit different terminology just to kind of help set the context a little bit better to be able to apply it to individual ministries or events or activities that we might be doing uh, in the church. And so here in this model, uh, the, the diagram here, you have Jesus at the top. He's always at the top. He's the head of the church. And then there is a primary leader that is uh, in communication with the Lord and seeking the Lord for vision for the church, the ministry, the event, the activity, whatever it is that, you know, they have been entrusted with. And there is a layer of accountability that's not directly between the leader and Jesus, but kind of on the side, right? So here you have your elders or your church board or, you know, whatever terminology you want to put it. But, but so they have a responsibility to relate to the leader uh, in a submissive, receiving what the Lord is saying kind of role. But they also have a responsibility to be relating to Jesus in an oversight, in a, you know, helping to give advice and counsel and direction uh, kind of role as well. And then you have servants that also are in submission to the leader and that are receiving then the instruction and direction for how things are to go and then they're ministering to the people and then you'll also see here in the diagram that there's a connection between the leader and the people and so always making sure you know the scriptures talk about uh the leader and the shepherd being among the sheep right and so there's not a there's not layers where the leader is disconnected from the people, right? And it's not insulated from, and so the people don't have access to the pastor or the leader. Like, that's not the way that God has designed it. So there's always that connection directly to Jesus, directly to the people, 
but then there's this accountability and there are these servants that support uh, the leader that God has appointed for a specific church or congregation or ministry or activity or event. And so, you know, the idea of delegation here is, as you look at, let's say, living water, that we also have, you know, various ministries and other things that operate under the umbrella of the church. And, and those things need to be understood as a delegation of ministry and authority that has been passed along. And so the youth ministry is a delegation of authority where now we have been entrusting to Jonathan the youth of the ministry, right? So in the flock that God has established, we have apportioned out, you know, here's the, this segment of the flock. And Jonathan, you have special care of this flock. And, and the way that you handle that ministry needs to follow this same leadership model. It needs to follow that same structure where now, Jonathan, okay, you're the primary leader. You have a responsibility to hear from the Lord. You bring alongside servants and you minister to the people and, and you, you adopt the same structure and flow in how you operate, you know, the ministry, the events, the activities, that kind of thing. And as you hand off, okay, this event, Lizette, you're going to, you know, be in charge of. This is the model to follow, that you're to hear from the Lord and you're to kind of, you know, uh, get the vision and direction for us. And you're to you know, set the things in place to minister to the people. Now, it all is still under the umbrella. And so, you know, the primary leader of the church is still accountable. Like, I'm going to stand before God one day and give account for how Lizette led that event under Jonathan's leadership, under my leadership. Like, there, there is, that's, you know, my understanding of the way that God has structured things. That it's, it's ultimately... You know, going. I'm going to have to give account for what happens in the church, and so I think that's one of the reasons why it's important that we refresh ourselves in the structure, the leadership model that God's given us, uh, because it is important for me to have some role, limited for sure, especially you know in my capacity right now, but but in some regard i need to be part of the things that are happening and i'm responsible for and accountable for the things that are happening and it's not any different really than you know if there was a legal issue with something that happened at you know that event who's going to be in the courtroom <laughs> you know what i mean like we we see it and we understand it the same way I, I will have to give account for for that and i can't there's no excuse of like well i didn't know it's jonathan's ministry right like, no, that's not how we operate. That's not how God has called us to be. And if we're going to be separate churches and separate ministries and independent from each other, then fine, let's do that. And let's let's make that clear. But until then, it, it all falls under, uh, you know, this structure that God has established. And so that's true of, okay, light the night event. Okay, we... 
sought the Lord. Roman's our guy. He's the one who's going to lead it. He's going to be the primary leader. So Roman, as you listen to this later, good job. Thank you for doing that. You did great. Uh, but 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 we all need to understand as we do those kinds of things that this is the model to follow. And it's not to turn into committee. It's also not to turn into dictatorship. <laughs> There's a balance of counsel, advice, teamwork, collective thought, discussion, collaboration. But then also, okay, here's the vision that I have. I believe this is from the Lord. This is what we're going to do. And, and that needs to be set for our events, for our church, for our ministries. And, you know, I could go on and on and on with the with the examples. But hopefully um, this is enough to kind of just refresh our minds. Again, I'm not trying to be exhaustive and cover every option or every opportunity or every difficulty or challenge. I'm happy to talk about any of those things with you guys. Um, but what was on my heart tonight is just to kind of walk through these basics again with you guys remind ourselves this is the leadership model that we have in our philosophy of ministry if god wants us to change it then let's let him tell us to change it and let's change it but until god tells us to change it then let's operate according to what he's set for us in the example and the authority, you know, under Pastor Chuck and passed along to us, uh, as well as the example that we have in the scriptures here. Like, this is how we are to to operate as a body in every aspect of what we do. Like, this is the, the structure and the model that God wants us to, to follow. And so I hope that helps clarify things. Um, I have the, the message from Pastor David Guzik that I will share with you. Uh, later tonight and then there's a podcast episode where um david guzik is being interviewed a little bit and they're talking about having discussion about that teaching that he gave but many years later and so i'll, I'll share that as well just to kind of um give a little bit additional perspective but um you know i just want to encourage you guys to adopt to grasp hold of and to understand so on the the bottom part of page two here um it kind of gives you an opportunity to kind of fill out like what ministry you're involved in, who the leader is, who they're accountable to, who the servants are, who the people are. And I, I would encourage you to just kind of walk through that exercise a little bit. And, you know, maybe you have to do that a couple times because you're involved in a couple different things. But but just to go through the exercise and kind of have clear definitions and understandings of of the the way that we are to operate and relate to one another in the roles that God has assigned to us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to stop the recording now.